0: The Atlantic League's all wrapped up and we have the first of possibly no more wins for the Empire State Grays. We're going to break down all the action and all stars for you this week on the Indie Ball Report podcast. All right, we are back again. Episode number 173 of the Indie Ball Report podcast. I'm Nick, he's Will, and we have arguably historic news to report to you this week.
1: Historic news? Why don't you tell the people what that historic news is?
0: Well, that is, of course, that the Empire State Grays lost 35 games in a row. Mm -hmm. But they said... We'll be damned if we lose 36 in a row. And they managed to pull off not just a win, but a dominating win over the Tri-City Valley Cats. A, dare I say, route of the Valley Cats is what they pulled off here. That That is historic in nature. And quite frankly, as much as I want to lead with that, I feel like I need to leave that there. I need to give th- these people that are listening to this show something to stick around for at the very least, have to go and find the timestamp for on the website, com right. under the show notes tab. So uh, to incentivize you to do one of those two things, we're going to toss it right in the middle. But this, but let me tell you this, there are two teams here that are going to get a lot of crap for losing to the Empire State Grays this week. And both of them are from the state of New York. So, apparently, it takes a New York team to lose to a team named after New York.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And that's... It was going to happen at at some point. Because it's not like they were getting crushed every game. But uh, I guess I was surprised in the fashion that it did happen uh, with one of those New York teams, which we'll get into later. But, uh, I mean... With some of the losses they've had, I mean, thank goodness Uh they were finally able to get on the board, but that doesn't make it any less frustrating for the teams that that were not able to take care of them, and those wins could be very valuable down the stretch.
0: Absolutely. They definitely could be, and I threw out on Twitter, like, why are we putting the over-under at the win total at now? Seven and a half? I think I put out, like, 11 and a half, and some people were saying they'll be lucky to reach four, and sure enough, two came very quickly, so... I'm not sure we should be ruling out these Empire State Grays yet at getting to double-digit wins. But that said, we are still about halfway into the season now. and They only have two wins, so uh, let's not get too carried away with that there. But yeah, there is going to be a lot to talk about, and I believe on Twitter I promised to drag a team. And um uh, quite frankly, I, I'm not sure which team I'm more disappointed in between the two losses, but that's all news for later on, a discussion for later on, a rant for later on. What we have more pressingly is something that happened uh, really Friday mornings when they announced this. And it's just kind of like perfect for us because it's right after we record, news comes out. So this kind of followed the trend. And this is in the American Association, which is they decided that in June, they were going to announce their All-Stars for the All-Star game. They went ahead, they held the whole roster they announced it all and then they had a a last minute in vote as well we have those complete and finalized now so we'll be able to kind of go through the whole teams here and uh, break all that down for you
1: yeah i agree with you when you say that it was it was kind of surprising to see that happen so early not a, and i of course i can understand that uh that you don't want to wait till too close to the all-star game but, man, I mean, we're talking... So this was announced on, I think, what, like June like 24th?
0: About that, yeah, because it was the Friday after record, because we had to record on Thursday last week, so it came out that yeah. Friday morning, so the 24th, yes.
1: Yeah, so, that I mean, that that's really, really early. Uh, but I guess what I will say, I-, I guess at least about the starters initially, they were essentially dominated by three teams. I think you could say.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was pretty overwhelming. I mean, even when you look at the rosters as a whole, it's pretty clear which teams got good representation and which ones, uh, got less so represented here. Uh, but at the end of the day too, good teams are going to have their players represented more than bad teams are.
1: I mean, I mean, for sure. But, uh, And I guess before you read, I will say that, I mean, Chicago, and the Chicago dogs have obviously had a a very nice start to their season. Um, they had no starters. And I'm not to say per se that they, that that I, that they should, that I really like highly disagree with a lot of these, but you know, I, I guess it's, it's a little surprising to see that. Um, to to see no chicago represented um in in uh, as in the all-star starters the american association
0: I would agree with that but I'd also say at the same time though are they a team that's kind of driven by star power or or are they a team that's more like by committee Oh, and definitely I, by committee. Yeah, sure. so I mean at the same time when you're going to go ahead and do that by committee approach, it's like okay, well, then don't expect, you know, to have a lot of people starting there you know
1: yeah exactly and i know but i know butch hobson doesn't really care about uh when, when he's building his team doesn't really give a crap about uh about how many all-star starters he gets so he's just trying to win baseball games and they've done a pretty good job of that so far just uh, just it's had a bit surprising but i think it does represent really the start that the dogs have had
0: yeah i'd agree with that too and also they did get a couple other guys in there. And so we'll start then with the East Division, uh, all stars there. We'll go through the starters, then we'll go through the pitchers, and then we'll go through the reserves. Uh, starting for the East Division at uh, catcher will be from Milwaukee, Dylan Kelly. Then at first base, Gio Brusa from Lake Country. Then Brian Torres from Milwaukee at second base. At third base, uh, Dylan Busey or Busey or Busby.
1: It's gotta be Busby.
0: Yeah, Busby. Okay. Because it's Busby. So, yeah, it must be Busby. Uh, from Kane County, Mason Davis takes the shortstop. He is from Milwaukee, but we know this. He's been there for a while now. In the outfield, it is Jimmy Kerrigan from Kane County, Zach Narrier from Cleburne, and then Chad Sedio from Milwaukee. He had a very big year last year for the Florence Y'alls, wound up moving on to the American Association and has clearly had that success. And from the position that shall not be named, which has replaced pitchers hitting. Uh, Keon Barnum, also from Milwaukee. Uh, I mean, he's just been utterly dominant so far, so that's no surprise there. East Division pitchers are Hunter Zervenka from the Cleburne Railroaders. Ryan Clark from the Chicago Dogs. Jack Eisenberg, Eisenbarger from Gary South Shore. Harrison Francis, also from Gary South Shore. Nick Garcia, from, also from Gary South Shore. Jordan Kipper from the Chicago Jogs. Alex McGray from Lake Country. Logan Nissen from Kane County. James Reeves from the Chicago Dogs. Miles Smith from the Milwaukee Milkmen. And then Ryan Tapani from the Kane County Cougars. The reserves in the East are Ryan Lidge, Casey Hobson, Grant Kay, and Danny Mars, all of your Chicago dogs. So the dogs do have some representation here. They have all the reserves as well. Makes sense. They are the host team. All-star game is July 11th and 12th in Chicago, or rather Rosemont, Illinois. So, makes sense that the home team would have most of the reserves there. But overall, it is a... uh, That's your all-star team. It's a very solid team.
1: Yeah, and and I think that, uh, first of all, I need to do my man Keon, Keon, uh, Keon Barnum justice because Nick simply will not, so therefore I will. He is the starting designated hitter for the East Division and obviously very, very well-deserved uh, deserved for him. Uh, and, and at the end of the day, like, you can think what you want about the DH and the MLB. There's, there's I mean... You you even admit it, Nick, that it's a necessary a necessary evil in indie ball.
0: Yeah, I agree. With so that, yeah. I think
1: you, I think for that. So if you, if you agree with that, I think you should be able to name the position.
0: See, I still don't like that it exists. Although, as you said, and as I've said in the past, it is more or less a necessary evil here because the point of indie ball is to get guys back to or for the first time to a major league organization or to a higher level foreign league like the uh like the japanese leagues like taiwan like korea like mexico you know th- that's its point so uh, getting more people playing time is overall a better thing so i will I'll agree with that, but I still don't like the DH, so that's why I try to avoid naming it as much as possible. It's kind of like you don't speak it into existence. You try to speak it out of existence. That's my point there. But I do agree that Keon Barnum has been doing a hell of a job. Even if I don't like the fact that he's a DH, I can still acknowledge the fact that he's just been completely raking
1: That that East Division all-star starters, at least. Very Milwaukee-based. But I think you see, as you mentioned, uh, uh, as far as Chicago them kind of dominating the reserves a lot of the pitching it also shows like what's uh what's really driven their success so far which is uh really guys one through nine in their order um and as well as as well as their pitching staff been solid as well so I think that th- th- you see the difference at least between Chicago and Milwaukee uh in that east division um but uh, both both are very both have been very good teams. both of course their rivals as well so uh, I think it, it makes sense that those two probably dominate the East Division when you're looking at where those guys are coming from.
0: It certainly does. And so on that note, we will go to the West Division, starting with the starters. Uh, catcher Dion Stanford Jr. from the Winnipeg Goldeyes. First base will be Manny Boskin, the reigning batting champion from the Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks. Uh, from Kansas City, second base and third base it will be Darnell Sweeney. And David Thompson. Shortstop will be Ozzy Martinez from the Sioux Falls Canaries. And there's an extra infield spot in lieu of an outfield spot. That goes to Lincoln's Josh Altman. And then in the outfield, Jan Hernandez from the Kansas City Monarchs. And John Silviano from the Fargo Moorhead Red Hawks. And then one more Red Hawk to round it out that other aforementioned shall not be named position that we all know what I'm talking about is Drew Ward. Uh, so overall, fairly solid on that front. Going to the pitchers now in the West Division from the Fargo-Moorhead Red Hawks will be Alex Dubord, Tyler Gravrier, Sebastian Kesey, Kevin McGovern, all from the Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks, from the Kansas City Monarchs, Matt Hartman, Who's also currently in the ERA leader in the American Association too. And Jordan Martinson, uh, from the Sioux Falls, or Sioux City, my mistake. Explorers, Patrick Ladette. Also from the, and I forgot to mention in the Kansas City bracket, Jameson McGrain as well. Fan of everyone here because we, we know him pretty much from York at first and then he wound up going over to here. So it is what it is. Sioux City also has Thomas, M- Thomas McElrath, a Wraith depending on how that i gets pronounced uh greg minier from uh lincoln and then tasker strobel also from winnipeg who's had a very a quietly great year too by the way uh reserves are really leo is a reserve at batting over 400 leo peña's reserve okay Wyatt ulrich gabby guerrero and uh, alexis Almendy Almaded. i'm dying going to try anymore because i Let's be honest here. This is just getting sad. Um, and then uh, we have two other last man in votes. Those went to Matt Adams and Dylan Laguna. So yeah, those are your all stars.
1: Yeah, and again, you see really the teams that have been dominating that division as well. Um, and uh, and it makes a lot of sense. And when you look at the West, of course, John Hernandez. Uh, has had such a good year, and you also see a team like Lincoln. No surprise to see Josh Altman; he's been doing it uh, for for some for a good few years now. And uh, I gotta say, I think when when I look at the at least these lineups between the West and the East, I don't know what you think, Nick, but no. I think if I were to say like which one is better, I think it's the West by a pretty decent margin. I,
0: I would agree with that. Yeah, I think the West is overall they have just a higher quality of player in addition to that too it just feels like even their last man in vote in Adams helps them out a lot more everything about them just screams it I'm not sure if it's more that these are guys that have historically been good so we give them more credit than guys that are newer to being good or if it's just that they actually are that much better but yeah I'd agree with that yeah, but
1: I, I, it's there's just so much talent at, at each position, um, and even a guy like, even like, even a guy like Ozzy Martinez uh, at shortstop for Sioux Falls certainly a name that Atlantic League fans will know as well. Uh, but I mean, John Silviano, Drew Ward, there's so much power in this lineup. That that's the thing that really uh, that really sticks out, specifically uh, in that in that outfield um, as well, but. I think that uh, it, it's a really strong group. I don't have any uh, qualms with it per se, uh, but I think if I were just looking at these All Star teams, and maybe even uh, going uh, beyond the lineups a, a little bit, like I think I, I think the West Division, and of course it's one game, so we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, the this West Division is stacked, loaded, a strong roster from from top to bottom, and not that the East isn't. But I think the West is, is a lot more strong.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. The West is certainly stronger. And uh, the thing that gets me, though, in the West is that Penny is not a starter. A guy that has risen his batting average from three eighty to four oh five over the last 10 days. So even before this, he was still batting really well. And he's just gotten even better. And it's a lot of extra base hits. He's had an extra base hit in each of those last 10 games with the exception of Three of them, so he's doing very well there. he's cracking up three hits, two hits, one hit he's always getting a hit getting on base he seems like he's worthy of a starting position so i i'm a little surprised that uh he's not a starter and is in fact a reserve, so it's a little bit uh interesting of a call there
1: yeah i i think I think that's a fair point um i think i think when you look at at all the numbers i think you could you could certainly make that case so i yeah i'd prob- i'd probably agree i'd probably agree with that one uh, i'm sure you know it, it's of course when they're all when everyone's on on the all-star team and there's starters and there's reserves and stuff like that but uh, and they'll still certainly get in the game but I, I, I think i think you have a pretty solid point there and i guess that's the that's probably the only questionable one, I would say, when you're looking at starters, uh, when you're looking at who's a starter, who's a reserve. Uh, but I mean, overall, I think, I think the league did, a, a, a decent job with this and, and yeah, not a, not a whole lot of, uh, not a whole lot of complaints there. It's funny. Now you think, well, because Butch Hobson's going to be, uh, co- coaching the East division. Um, wow, there are a lot of reserve. Not that they're not deserving, but it's just funny to think that you got a lot of Chicago reserves, a lot of Chicago pitchers, which is not uh, not totally unexpected.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. With yeah, which I just want to say before we move on because we have other stuff to get to today and I don't want to spend too much time in the American Association. Can I just point out that Duncan Snyder just like balled out his last start and then just said, okay, off to go play with the Padres?
1: it'll do that. I mean, you you never know, you never know who's watching. And I think that, uh, especially in this day, like day and age with partner leagues and, uh, this date and like the, your data and like, uh, all your track data and whatnot is being shared simultaneously. And all it takes is like a team to be like really impressed by your data and be like, all right, well, we have a open, we have an open spot. We have some injuries at, at double a triple a level. Uh, and that, that gives a guy an opportunity, but, I think you see those – all it takes is literally one opportunity that, that like a pro scout might be at, and, and you're golden. So I think it, it's a cool story, though, for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, like for people that don't talk about on – what was it, like Wednesday? He uh, pitched against Milwaukee, threw a shot out, eight innings, three hits, one walk, 16 strikeouts. Of the 25 outs he got, he struck out uh, – or 25, 24, he struck out 16. So that's just kind of insane that he did that. He dropped his be- his ERA about a point and a half in that one, which still only got him to a uh, five eighty one. But even still, yeah, it it's kind of funny to me that a guy that had really only started games since about the beginning of June had really like two ish good starts. That he goes ahead out of five, he gets picked up there. And, I mean, the reason I say two-ish is because he had one against Chicago, which only went about three and two-thirds. He gave up uh, nine runs, but only one was earned. So, it's like, it's not that bad on him. It more speaks to the team around him, but even still nine runs. So, like, that, and he had two other starts that weren't great. So, I assume it's the track man data that really did it there.
1: Right. I, th- I think I it's got to be, and especially from – uh it's funny because on the team I work for, uh, in yeah. the Cape Cod League, this literally happened with one of our, with one of our relievers last year who made like his second appearance and a scout from, I think the Astros, a really data driven team, yeah. uh, that wasn't even, at, that wasn't even at the game. They're just like, wow, this data was like off the charts. We're going to sign you to an undrafted contract. And it's that, in, in essence, it's kind of a similar, uh, similar idea for, for these guys. Um, obviously it's not a college league and you yeah. have college eligibility, but, Still, kind of the same idea uh, applies for a lot of those undrafted free agent signings in that sense, and of course, guys who are just looking to get into uh, getting in, in back into affiliated baseball. So, I did think that was interesting that it was just that one start that totally exploded his name, and then out he goes.
0: Yeah, but uh, yeah, it, that's how it happens there. Plus, he's also six seven, so he has like that kind of a thing—that old school. Of, he's a oh, big yeah. picture type thing, which I mean, six seven is yeah, it's pretty tall. Mm hmm. That'll play. Yeah, it certainly will. So on that note, only other things to really kind of quickly discuss in the American Association before we go and I start dragging teams is uh, the Dogs quietly, six-game winning streak, 8-2, and two, shot back comfortably into a lead in the East. Although, as we said before, when four of the six teams in your uh, division make the postseason, it means a lot less. Cleburne's starting to come back to earth. Lake Country's starting to fall off. Gary's taking the last playoff spot. And on the flip side in the West, things are still pretty much like, okay, we have four teams that are good. And then there's the two Seuss that are not so great. The Dr. Seuss are not quite uh, where you want them to be.
1: <laughs> I love that. I, lo- I love the Dr. Seuss.
0: I, see, that was one I was just like, hey, let me see if it plays. And I guess it plays.
1: I, th- I think that, that's, a, that's a home run right there. That's a really good one.
0: That makes my um, day,
1: but yeah, I think it's. I I don't want to say some of it was inevitable for a team like Lake Country, it, just because they got off to such a good start, um, and then they've kind of fell back. They've definitely fell that fell back down to earth. Um, and and listen, it's not that they can't still, still make a run. I mean, I mean, it's just, they're just still three games back of Gary South Shore for that uh, for that fourth and final playoff spot. So still plenty of time and. I mean, even a team, I mean, as, as terrible as Cle- Cleburne has been, uh, they're playing a little bit better of late. And hey, I mean, a five and a half games is not a ton, right? Yeah. So uh, especially it's not like Gary's uh, any sort of unbeatable team either, but Chicago has really asserted their dominance in the East and, and Milwaukee certainly with, with the star power that they have, it is quite sh- stunning and shocking to see. Uh, them slumping the way they are right now, I think that's the that's really the big story. I think uh, in the East is kind of Milwaukee struggling the way they are, um, and and really the Dogs' dominance. It is, it has been a dominant uh, first half of the season for the Chicago, for the Chicago Dogs for sure.
0: Yeah, it definitely has been. You're you're on something there. I will say it's the bottom of the eighth right now in the Milwaukee Chicago game. They are tied at five, so perhaps this could end both streaks. Or right. maybe it goes to seven by the time you're listening to this. Who knows? But, yeah, it, it is interesting on that front there. It's also kind of funny to me that you look at the East division, there's only two teams above 500. And meanwhile, in the West, there's only two teams under 500. So it's it's kind of clear which division's the better one here. And Fargo Warhead being the first to hit 30 is fantastic on that own right. Eight and two in the last 10, two-game winning streak. Only 12 losses on the year. They look very, very good, especially when you have a Kansas City team that's kind of, you know, they're not as good as they happen. They're still 11 games, about 500, so they're not a bad team by any stretch. Still the third best team in the league, only to Chicago. And if we're going off of pure skill and talent-wise, they're probably still the second best team here. But Fargo seems to be a really, really solid team and one that, again, if they can hold on to the momentum, keep this going. They could definitely, uh, they can make some noise. No, I mean,
1: they're a title contender for sure. Yeah. And I, it almost has like a, a sense of inevitability that these two teams are going to meet in the Western Division final, which would be just an unbelievable series of the, of uh, these two get together in a playoff series. But it's trending that way. And I guess for, for looking at it from a Kansas City point, point of view as well, it's almost not that big of a deal. Of course, you know, Fargo Moorhead would get home field, and that certainly has uh, that certainly plays a role. But I mean, when you're playing, as long as Kansas City is saying like, "All right, get the two, uh, not that they can't get the one seed, because I mean, they're still four games back. That's not a ton, It's still manageable with still sixty games to play for sure. Uh, it's not as big of a deal for Kansas City, especially in a in a in a league where four teams in each division make the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, and not that there's a big difference between, say, Winnipeg and Lincoln uh, in, those, in the first round series that you could play. Now, if you flip that towards the East Division, right, and you're looking at a team like Kane County and Milwaukee, all right, it's going to be a team, all right, are you going to get uh, whoever finishes second, are you going to play Kane County, Milwaukee, Or, or are you going to play Gary, who jump, who can maybe jump up? I mean, that's a big difference in a playoff series. And I know Milwaukee hasn't been very good, but that's not a team you want to see in the postseason. So, uh, well, to be fair, if you,
0: something to watch. Yeah. To be fair, they also are doing for at least that first round the whole pick your opponent thing, too. So that's really the benefit of that one. So you could kind of avoid Milwaukee with the one through just that alone. Or, I mean, you could just say, well, we feel confident, just go ahead at them. You know.
1: Right. And that's, that's, that's the strategy part of it. That's, that's really interesting. Are there teams going to be kind of avoiding the even though whatever, let's say they finish around 500. I still, I don't know. We'll see, we'll see what happens and could certainly see them going on a tear in the second half and probably not contending to uh, get first place in the division, but, uh, you could certainly see them getting better. It, it's fascinating to see what, what, what will happen with the whole pick your opponent thing for sure.
0: Yeah, I think more so in the West, too, because like for me, I understand Winnipeg and Lincoln are only about a game difference, but Winnipeg seems like a better team. It feels Uh like, especially as of late, they've really kind of found their stride. I know it's a 6-4, and but that really doesn't put it justice, plus they're going to be getting a lot of easier opponents, so I could very well see them getting hot. Really, it's a Fargo-Moorhead series and after that it's a lot of Sioux Falls or Sioux City because they have Sioux City this week then the Fargo series and then Sioux City again so like to me it just seems like they could really kind of go on a tear build something up build some momentum build some confidence start feeling real good about themselves and if that happens then you're rolling really hot through the first half of July you carry that into August that's the kind of thing that can snowball and really start doing you a lot of good now of course they're going to have a tough opponent either way. I mean, it doesn't really matter who wins this division, whether it's Fargo, Moorhead, or Kansas City. If it's not them, they're probably, you know, not looking at a good matchup either way. That said, right. you know, they could still, I think they they low-key can make some noise. I, I'm not saying they're going to beat either team because you're dealing with probably the two most skilled teams that you're going to have to go through, uh, no matter what way you cut it. But even still, I don't think they're going to be an easy out. I think they kind of found their stride. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they go ahead and they drop the whole Fargo series and they go 500 or worse against Sioux city. And we just determined that, okay, they can really beat the teams they're supposed to beat, but they're going to lose to the teams they're supposed to lose to. And the toss up games. Well, who's really to say on those? So maybe that's what they turn into, but I, I just get a feeling from them that they're better than that.
1: Yeah. And that's, picking so uh, fascinating does maybe even season series come into play well hey maybe this team just plays this team this this team just plays us better uh, and the matchups are better so uh, that'll be that'll be the fascinating part and of course we still have like 55 60 games oh, wow. regular season so so much of this can change and with uh, a couple of them still so tight we'll have to see where we end up even in two weeks to another, to another month we'll see if uh, we're having different conversations
0: Yep, absolutely. And so on that note, we do know one thing that isn't going to change. And that's where the Empire State Grays sit in the, uh, in the Frontier League. And we do know that well, they- Well, not with
1: that attitude.
0: Well, I mean, like at this point, let's be honest here, they are limited by what they are. But what they also are is no longer winless. Because they, they have not won, but two wins. And we're gonna go through in order of each of these wins because we don't really particularly care all that much about uh you know the games they've lost they've lost what 37 of them to date they lost 35 of them in a row and to be yeah, quite honest America. lost no thir- yeah lost 35 i was getting a little nervous because they were getting close it took a walk off in the ninth for City to pull it out and this is before we put up episode 172 where we kind of you know, dragged the Grays a little bit for being a pathetic team because what kind of team loses 34 games in a row? You know, which is a fair question. And then I was like, oh, if they go ahead and they win this, this is going to be really awkward dragging them for being winless when they're not, in fact, winless anymore. But luckily, they, they pulled it out and secured the loss in the end. But we all kind of knew. It was like, okay, well, if it took that kind of effort to beat them, they're probably going to win one during this series because now they've had attention put on them and now it's a pride thing even though I'm sure it was a pride thing before and by all accounts it seems to be a culture thing because the talent's there but the culture around it isn't there so make of that what you will and I mean you'll lose like 35 games in a row it, there's got to be a culture problem there, at the very least. That room's got to be one of the most miserable places on earth to walk into every day, knowing you're going to go get your brain speed in. Which all is to say, how do you lose nine three to this team?
1: I, I, and I, I don't know. And the the part that baffles me, and you know, this is where you got to get the Gray's a little credit. Yeah. After a heart crushing loss that they had that night before when they had a lead going into the ninth and in the bottom to the bottom of the ninth. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they could have just put their head down, but you know what? They said, you know what? This losing feeling is terrible, but we felt it so much that we don't know anything else other than to go out there <laughs> and and snap a streak the next day. And that's what they did. And I mean, yeah, how, how you like yeah you've had some low scoring games I guess or you've had three runs I mean how you allowed nine runs I mean and a, a six run loss it wasn't it wasn't close like you would think if they were gonna win and snap the streak it'd be a close game couple but lucky bounces like, it goes their way maybe get a call or something like that but, I mean this was it was just a dominant effort really oh, from, yeah. uh, from from the Empire State Grays uh again against Tri city and it's certainly just uh, it was not a good series at all for for the Valley Cats and and a team like the Valley Cats who really cannot afford uh, these losses, just given their state in the standings right now.
0: Oh oh yeah, absolutely. Unlike the American Association and even the Atlantic League to a lesser extent, the Frontier League has a premium on playoff spots. There's the three teams that make it, and even Team Three and Two, you're playing like a one-off. It's a wild card game, and you're. Your, your fate's decided in that and so like it's tight it very much is tight there and they can't afford to drop games like that but but like I, I do want to commend the grace pitching staff they did a fantastic job uh jansen aries he goes five innings of one hit ball four walks two strikeouts i mean it's not glamorous but he shut him out, only allowed five base runners. So, I mean, like, hey, he did his job very effectively. Connor McGuire, he goes and he comes in, he throws two innings, he gives up a couple of runs, but only one's earned. So, he's fine. Jason Pineda comes in and uh, he throws a perfect inning. And then Luis Pacheco comes in, it gets a little bit hairy, he gives up a run, four hits. But at the end of the day, he shuts the door. He does, again, his job. You know, I, I can't complain about it there. And Pacheco will come into this story again in a little bit. So I remember his name. But on the flip side here, like, I, I want to kind of get on the Valley Cat offense because, like, again, you mustered three runs and nine hits against this team. And really, if we take off, uh, Jesus Lejano, from this equation, you had two runs and six hits against this team. So, that's significant drop-off here when one guy is really doing most of your work uh, on offense there. And, I mean, a guy like Garcia, too, he leaves seven guys on base. That's not good. Especially from a guy that's a former major leaguer and kind of supposed to be the the centerpiece of everything in your lineup. Like, okay, we got this guy here, and he was a huge piece last year and has still been a very good player at this point this year. But, in a game like that, you know, I I need better than one for five and two strikeouts. I I need better than that. Uh so that's a problem. A problem, you know. Paven Parks two for five and he gets a run, so great for him. But Brantley Bell, a guy who did very well for Stan Island for that short bit, and again has done well this year. One for five again. Juan Santana over. Chase Mercer over. Juan Silvario, one for three in a walk. He scores a run, though, so good for him there. Um, Jonik Gerard or Geron, I think it's Gerard because it's spelled like Sam Gerard's name. So he comes in for an injured player at the catcher position. He strikes out all three times. I mean, that's not good. A lot, of, It's just like a lot of not performing on the offensive front, too, so I hold them to account... I feel bad yeah. for Jose Cruz a bit. I mean, six innings pitched, seven hits, two earned runs, three strikeouts, a walk. Fine stat line. It's a quality start. He gets tagged with the loss for this one. Really, like, I look at the bullpen here, who in the seventh just kind of forgot how to play baseball, really, is the best way of putting it. Jalen Smith and Adam uh Hofek, they just give up seven runs. More so on, uh, less, less so on Smith. Because none of hit. well, yeah, no, he, he didn't allow any hits. He just allowed three runs on a walk. So, not great on that front there. I mean, like, it, it just wasn't good there. I mean, Warren, Dexter, and Law Firm all t- combined to get the job done for 789. But, like, again, you need better than that. I'm not sure if you could chalk this up to Pete not being on the bench for this. And instead, his nephew was there. He was handling personal business. Uh, back home in Texas, apparently. So, like, maybe that's it. But I mean, again, a seven-run seventh inning—you never led against this team. This is just a, a horrible performance all the way around for Troy City.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you can criticize certainly that performance that game, but let's not act like they did much better the night before. Yeah. And so, and, yeah, they were they were able to come out with the win eventually, but. I mean, it was, it was kind of a trend in, in that, in that series for, for Tri-City that, uh, they really struggling offensively. And it's a lineup that should not be struggling the way they are. Um, oh, yeah. the, the, the way they did in that series, there's talent there and you just, you just haven't really seen it. I think in Cavillia, not being there is a, is a very large part of that, uh, especially. And I'm not a huge, you know, as far as like when I see like, Teams and whatnot. I'm not a huge fan of like rah rah type of baseball coaches. I don't think that's how baseball works. Um, but um, but on the same at the same time, I don't know that that happens with Pete and Caviglia there.
0: Oh, um, no, I, I don't think that seventh inning happens at the very least.
1: No, and uh, so I don't I don't think that that happens with 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 Pete and Caviglia there and whatever he's dealing with he's dealing with. But um, I think at the same time it's it's hard to think that that he that would have happened if he was there but i mean as as bad as the offense was in that in the uh, 6-1 defeat i mean they weren't much better the night before whether they squeaked it out either so i mean yeah. it's been uh, i think it's more of a, a more of an issue for the for the valley cats that goes beyond just that one game it's just you know they, they had the one bad inning that day and then uh the game ended up not being close but the issue uh, the issue in and of itself, the offense, it still was the same problem for
0: them. Oh, yeah, absolutely there. and I mean, I think the key difference, too, is Empire State made through on their chances. Like, Liam McArthur, the guy that was historically, or so far this season, has historically been their best player, was not very good. He got a run, but he struck out three times, left two guys on, only got a hit one out of six tries. But Carling was two for three. Holloman Scott was three for five. Mercado was four for four, you know, another two for five from, uh, Nakari. There's guys doing their job in this lineup. They're getting the job done and they left plenty of guys on base too. Like, let's not pretend like they didn't leave a lot of guys on. They left 13 players on. So this could have been a lot worse too. If eventually the bullpen didn't figure it out. So, you know, it, it could have been bad, but yeah, you have a great point, Will, with the nape, with the night before where it was like, okay, it's getting real touch and go here uh you you want to go ahead and end this game or you know because it was an 8-7 game that's the thing too and tri-city led and then they lost the lead and then they got it back and then they lost in the eighth and then they had to regain it in the ninth so again it turned into an issue of okay are we doing this here again and i mean Steele was the guy at that time after Joey Gonzalez threw seven strong innings there, struck out nine, three runs, two earned, five hits, whatever. Steele comes in in a third of an inning, gives up three earned runs, and then, uh, Abatella, who comes in from Windy City, I believe, he gives a one run, but I mean, he pretty much stops the bleeding, then Jake Dexter kind of comes in and gets the, uh, gets the job done, but yeah, it does kind of speak volumes when you have to eke these things out, and, uh, And you need, uh, you need a last minute heroic to get it done. Uh, so that, that's never a positive there. But yeah, uh, overall, just, just not a good series. I mean, like, you could argue that on Sunday, they kind of turned it around because they beat up on them 13-1. But how much of that was like actually playing better versus a team that finally got a win? really celebrating it, and a team that gave up that win and now is, like, like having been on the side of giving a team their only win of the year before, there's genuine shame on that. Even on a team that loses a lot, if you're the one that loses to the worst of the worst and gives them what could be their only win of the year, and that's just on, like, a bad team as opposed to a team that's pretty middle of the road, which Tri-City is. You just sit there thinking, how did we lose? Oh, there's so much going on in your mind, and there's just like a mixture of confusion and shame. So I think it's just a combination of all of those factors going to work that then leads to it. Plus, solid pitching performance as well from Leo Crawford also helps. You know, And right. not-so-solid performance from Jordan Powell, who gives up 10 runs in two and a third.
1: Yeah, I also think that's probably the leaders of that clubhouse saying, hey, this is unacceptable, and this is not going to happen again. Yeah. And then you also combined with Empire State going whoopee You're like I don't even care what happens after this, as long as we're not going winless. And, you know, then they did get another win uh, later on the w- later on in the week. But uh, I mean,
0: I guess to seeing
1: them get blown out in the last game of the series is not surprising in the least.
0: Oh yeah, no, it's it's just uh, that that one was bad, but. What I think is arguably almost as bad was the start from the other day against the New York Boulders, the other team that they got their second win against because at this point I was like, oh, maybe the Grays are going to be hot. And so I had to check to see who was the pitcher that they went against here because I was like, I thought chansky was supposed to be starting, but there's no way New York would lose if Verchansky start. That's where I'm wrong. Because here's what the New York Boulders wasted. Eight innings, five hits, two runs, both earned, two walks, and 12 strikeouts. A tie for the Boulder team record in strikeouts. Both runs came off a home run. In fact, all the runs in this game came off a home run for Empire State. They managed to lose that game. And uh, I feel like this one is worse than the Tri-City one. Because at least with Tri-City... It was close for a while, and then the seventh happened, and then, you know, it, it went out of control from there. And at that point, it was a lost cause game. And that they were close the night before. There was a lot of motivation there. You could see it. This one, it was like, well, no one really pitched bad. Like, maybe you want to get on Zach Schneider for giving up a home run that winds up being the difference maker. But even then, I'm like, it's still three runs. Just do more than three runs. I mean... Even in the loss, Tri-City still put up three runs. Granted, one was a meaningless run at the end, but still three runs. New York put up two. Two. One earned two runs in total, though. And Luis Pacheco, if you remember him from earlier, was the starter for this one. And he went seven innings, five hits, to two runs, one earned, five strikeouts there. Uh Nicholas Luke and then Holden Bernhard kind of finished the job for the last two innings, and they did a good job. I mean, they left three base runners and struck four out between the two of them, so you know, solid performance there, but it's not like in this one you had any sort of like Herculean performance. Liam McCarthy went two for three and had a run. I mean, if you want to count that as like this huge game-changing moment here, but it just looks like ineptitude on the part of the batters for the boulders here where you were given such a great start and you just kind of wasted it and did nothing with it When you turn around and mount what six hits for the whole day, like it'd be one thing if it was six hits and four runs, or six hits and like a handful of runs, and things are going better, like it wouldn't be that bad. But I kind of think against Empire State, you could do better than six hits and two runs.
1: Right, and these games, games like this, against I'll put it the I'll put it under the phrase as normal teams. It happens, like, where you, like, you'll waste a really good start because your offense just doesn't have it. Uh, it'll, it'll happen once in a while. Um, to the Empire State Grays, though, I, I don't know about that. Yeah. I mean, just the, uh, it's just two cases. Of, I mean, cause the idea, the reality is, is the Empire State Grays are the, in the games they win, they're not going to win shootouts. They're not going to win a nine to eight ball game. They're not going to win a 10 to nine ball game. They're not going to win a nine to seven game. It's going to have to be, they're going to have to get a really good pitching performance. Of course, maybe some, you could have some balls that are hit right at people. I mean, it's a bad base running on, on one of the parts as well. Uh, and, and then they could scratch across a win, but it, it's kind of crazy just because, I mean, obviously frontier league fans know how good of a starter Danny werchansky is. And so it's stunning to see that that was the game that ended up in a loss. But hey, I mean, it's just a bloop and a blast. And, um, and then just like that, it, there's two runs on the board and, and a night where their offense just was not able to do anything. That was it. And so, uh, it, a, a stunning loss for sure, uh, for, for the Boulders. And again, the Boulders are, Are in a very similar spot as Tri City in the standings, in in the sense that when they're trying, the two of them are trying to catch Sussex County for that third spot uh, in the Eastern Division, and you just can't afford to you can't afford losses. Uh, like that against a team like Empire State you need all of those wins and that just makes it um, more of a more of a tough loss and a tough break for a team like the Boulders especially in a night where uh, where their pitching was very good and Warchansky was really good and the offense just just didn't have it at all
0: exactly and like the thing is I wouldn't even be jumping on all too much if you know it was a, a team that had a handful more wins if they didn't have that you know 35 game winless streak, and they were like, I don't know, five and 32. I'd be like, well, yeah, that's how this kind of a team is going to win. Baseball is going to happen eventually. You're going to get some breaks, and like, I shouldn't be jumping on them all too much for that. But then you would think the next night, okay, Rockland's going to jump out, or New York now is going to jump out. They're going to get a big performance here. It's going to be like Tri City, where you're going to have people in the room say. Danny just did everything he could to get us a win and we wasted that. That cannot happen again. But then you have New York come out. They have a five to one lead going into the eighth inning. The game ends five to four. They nearly lose again and they almost waste Andrew Hammond's quality, quality start. Of six innings, six hits, one run was not earned. One strikeout or four strikeouts, one walk. Like that's a solid performance there. I'm sorry. Like it, it shouldn't be that close. I don't know what exactly happened here in the uh, in the eighth here. It looks like there was just a, a bad go around for uh, for the one pitcher. But like you had him on two outs. You had him with two outs to get out of it. And then you allow a base hit. Then the guy goes on a pass ball, then a walk, then a double. Then you finally get the, the one pitcher out of there, then a ground out that scores a run. Like if you didn't get the ground out to get you out of that jam, like there is so close there where, which is kind of weird when you look at this box score recap because it has Mercado's, out swinging for fourth out and i was like what the hell is that about but and it's weird but regardless the point stands of they nearly blew that too they were right. 90 feet away from blowing that too and
1: and it, and it shows what at the end of the day the overarching point it shows who the three best teams are in this in this division
0: yeah you know yeah it, it definitely does and it shows that like, I stand by my statement that the Rockies are a 450 winning percentage team. They're not quite 500. They're slightly below average, and, I mean, it's kind of showing right now. Currently, they're 22 and 21, which puts them at about 500. hundred. three in a row here, but I have no faith in them to do anything more than that. Tri-City's a half game better. They've looked better, seven and three, but I just can't look the other way on that great loss. I'm sorry for both of those teams. I just can't, and, I mean, it's becoming ever ever more clear that Sussex County's kind of figured their way out, had some trouble with Quebec, but everyone has trouble with Quebec. And Ottawa, who had trouble with New Jersey a little bit, surprisingly, this week, is still highly up there. And, I mean, those three teams in the East are the three best teams there. And then, meanwhile, in the West, I mean, I'd say you probably have two of the better teams in the league, much less uh, their division, Washington, Evansville, who Pretty much just gonna take that division. And then it's gonna be a fight for the third spot between like three teams, really, four teams, really, depending on what the y'alls do. I mean, losing four in a row is not gonna help their comeback cause. But, I mean, hey, that, that bottom half's a, its own thing. We got games left before that gets decided there. But yeah, the overarching point is, um, you can't lose games to Empire State. Games like the New York one are gonna happen. But damn, they really should not happen. Yeah,
1: for sure. But, and I'll tell you what, I think there's going to be a time for the end of the season that Empire State pulls off like a stunner of all stunners. Like the, I think they're going to beat like just once, like a team like Quebec or Ottawa or Washington or Evansville. I think they're going to have one game where they beat one of those teams. I think it's going to happen. I don't know when, but I think it's going to happen. That, there, there's a hot take. I, the Empire State will beat one of those four teams and uh, I think it'll happen one time this year because baseball's a, w- a weird game, and I think it's going to happen.
0: So you're thinking they got a Houston-Apollos moment in them?
1: Yes. But against a better team than uh, Lincoln was at the time.
0: All right, let's see. Well, as fate would so have it, that last weekend in August, 26 through 28, they do play the Ottawa Titans. Mm. Prior to that, for 23 through 24 or 23 through 25, or rather, they play the Sussex County Miners. They also have the Miners earlier in that month, too. It's a line stretch. Teams are not really playing that have hope, but there is an outside chance they could end Florence's hope, too, because they have a late July series against them as well.
1: Yeah. So I think, I mean, there's going to be opportunities, there's going to be ample opportunities, but I think that I, I think there will be a time. That Empire State pulls off a, an upset against a very good team, and it's and it'll be the top story. It'll be really, really interesting.
0: It certainly will be. And on that note, we have a little bit of Atlantic League uh, discussion to cover. Uh, all that really is to say is that we kind of know the first two playoff teams now. Southern Maryland clinched a little while back, so not all too surprising there for them, uh, and they were pretty much a dominant force all the way through. But the other team that clinched happened just a few days ago in the Gastonia Honey Hunters. They secured a win. They secured the South Division. They get their first ever playoff berth in their second year of existence. Uh, A total 180 from last year's team. There's a couple moments of doubt there when High Point came on strong. But in the end, they were able to hold off the High Point Rockers and in turn secure a playoff berth.
1: Yeah, I mean, Gastonia, what a turnaround they have had. Um, uh, and they're doing it, uh, they've kind of totally just changed their team around. Their pitching is significantly better. And the thing that I love about Gastonia is they run the bases. They really run the bases. They, they're very aggressive, looking to steal bases and looking to take the extra base. And I like it because they're, a, they're a scrappy group. They they really are, and you have to be. Uh, maybe when you don't have as talented of a roster, say as a team like High Point, uh, but I think that that's what we what we've seen from them uh, has been so so impressive. I mean, it, it's not even like they're um, they're squeaking these out. I mean, they're forty uh, a forty two and twenty record is just incredibly impressive, and to hold off a team like High Point, who's I mean, High Point still playing really good baseball right now. Yeah, uh, 18 winning streak. Yeah, exactly, and so I, i always playing some really good baseball right now, but uh, but Gastonia just an incredible turnaround for them, and I guess we'll see what happens to them in the second half. I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter a whole lot what they do in the second half, uh, but I, I tell you, it's it's a, a pretty incredible turnaround uh, for uh, for that organization in general.
0: Absolutely, is I mean, like they they went from a team that. Really didn't have much depth at all and had a hard time replacing it to a team that pretty much is able to get guys in, get them out, and has had some really good success stories. And this is kind of a a really nice moment to see for that team to really kind of put together, fend off a challenge from the team that's supposed to be your biggest rival, too. And maybe, if we're lucky, High Point will keep this up. Like I said a second ago, eight-game winning streak currently, 38-25. and They're a very good team probably the third best team in this league at the moment. If they're able to get that last uh, South division spot, whether it's through a wild card or through a a division win in the second half, I'd be very ready for a North Carolina battle between Gastonia Uh and High Point. I think that's the exact kind of thing they both could benefit from both on and off the field to see that. Likewise in the North too. Southern Maryland, we know is going to be there. Long Island's starting to come around again. The rest of that division, I don't, put much stock in to be honest uh Mm. there's just not too much really going there so it'll be interesting to see how that winds up shaping up i could very well see a wild card spot opening up and in that case then we have a little bit more of an interesting spot here if long island does not take it you know it'd be weird to not see Long island the postseason but would you be all too shocked if you saw york or even wild health in place of uh long island
1: no, I, I don't, I wouldn't say I'd be, I mean, I'd be surprised. I don't know if I'd say I, I'm shocked. I, I just think Long Island, they've they played a little better of late. Um, and I think as good as Southern Maryland has been, it'll be interesting to see what they can do in the second half, especially when they don't really have much to play for. Uh, I would think just knowing the Ducks, I, the, I'm just knowing the Ducks and the way that they kind of shuffle their roster, they'll find something that works, and they'll compete for a second-half uh, North Division title. But you bring up an interesting point if they don't get that, right? It's yeah. going to be very, very interesting. I mean, if you think as well, as well, you, you think High Point gets in, I guess regardless of what of, uh, you would think, even if they maybe don't win the South Division second-half title and still play well, they would be in uh but I mean when you're comparing it to a team like you mentioned teams like York and, and Wild Health, I mean it makes it it makes it really interesting. I, I wouldn't be stunned. I I would be surprised. I, I think if I were to pick it, even though even as good of a half as Southern Maryland has, half, I would not be surprised at all if if Long Island takes the second half uh in the North Division, just knowing them. Uh but I mean we haven't seen it yet, though, from them, and it, it's been they've been better of late, but um, but they really just not have they haven't gelled. They haven't found a group that works, which is really surprising for them. But uh, but in the Atlantic League, I guess you can just totally wipe the slate slight, slight clean in the uh, in, in the in the first half, and just nothing else matters than the second half. So that's good news for the Ducks and 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 their fans. Is that uh, that you can just kind of forget what happened in the first half, go after that second half crown, uh, and I think eventually I think they will get there. I, I I find it hard to believe that they won't that they won't get to the postseason. That would just be so bizarre to not see the Ducks in the postseason. I think it'll happen.
0: Yeah, they are just they just find a way an awful lot. So I have to agree with you on that front. Likewise, I don't remember the last time they really missed, and they are just such a solid team overall that I have to think they're able to get in there, whether wild card or wing the North, you know, uh, Southern Maryland, I think has obviously kind of jumped ahead and kind of said, this is our year. They've made some real statement wins. they've made some real statement overall decisions. They've also made some, uh, some hot decisions, I guess you can make. Some fiery decisions, I guess you could say. But overall, they do seem like a strong team. One of the stronger teams in this league, if not the strongest. So it'd be interesting to see if Long Island could pull this off. Even if they are able to get out of, uh, get into the postseason. If they could pull off beating Southern Maryland. Which I think is dubious at best. But I think that goes for just about any team that isn't High Point or Gastonia. I think those two teams would have a good shot against them. But, I mean, it's still very early on. There is, what, two days left, eight a day left in this half before mm-hmm. we click over on July 4th for the second half. So it's going to get real interesting. That much is for certain.
1: Yeah, I think that um, it's it's going to be fascinating to see what the Ducks do in the, in the second half because you mentioned they just seem to find a way and just given their track record, it's hard to assume that they won't do it. And given Wally Backman's track record and Michael Fast's track, track record uh, with roster building, you just have to think they, they will find a way uh, to to get it done. So I, I think you'll see them in the postseason. but if they do if you don't, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a really big deal in the world of independent league baseball.
0: Absolutely there. And I think that just about does it for the, for the Atlantic league this week. And, Only thing I want to say quickly from the Pioneer League is two things. One, apparently their Pioneer League show that they do every week, they're bumping that up to be a pregame show. So that's before the games now. And also, the Missoula Paddleheads are still, and I think they are the lone independent league team that is in single digits for losses. They are 22-9 and on a nine-game winning streak. And they are kind of head and shoulders ahead of the rest of the Pioneer League. And Rocky Mountain has... Since being able to take control of their roster, gone fine and five over the last ten. So good for them.
1: Good for them. I, I'd like to see I've already voiced my opinion on, part, on those kind of partnerships last week. So I am glad to see that they're that they're starting to play better. And yeah, Missoula, great team.
0: Yeah. They they certainly are. I think at this point, I'm just gonna kinda always pick Missoula there. Partially have a lack of not knowing much about the Pioneer League. And also just out of hey, they're kind of cool. They're always good. So uh, with that said, I don't really think uh, we have anything else left for this week. I think we could probably just head right to the plugs and then get out of here. So with that said, if you want to follow the show, you can do so on Twitter at IndieBallPod or on Instagram at ALPB underscore news and Indie Ball Report. Likewise, you want to find show notes and timestamps and anything pertaining to this week's episode or any episode you could do so on the website, com. show notes tab for, well, the show notes, which, like I said, have timestamps, have links to things, as well as uh, a music description, stuff like that. And, uh, there's articles there. There's every episode there. There's interviews there. The whole nine is on that website there. So with that said, you could also find the show, uh, wherever you find podcasts, tune in, Stitcher, Spotify, Podomatic, Google Podcasts, uh, you know, all the major ones, cast box, all that. Uh, there's so a like, rate, review, and subscribe if you can and have not done so already. Now, do I have anything else left to add this week?
1: Other thing I have to add is, on a hockey note, I'm very, very happy that the Avs won. Very happy. Yep. Uh, not that I explicitly hate the Tampa Bay Lightning. Because I don't, I don't really have a, I don't really have a reason to. I guess the last time the Devils were in the playoffs, the Lightning beat them five games. But uh, I mean, overall, I, I'm just glad that the Avs won. What a fun team! I mean, what a fun team! A fun series uh, between two teams, and I mean, the the Colorado Avalanche. It's a young core, uh, and they're just really, really an exciting team. And I'm glad uh, that they ended up coming out on top, and the Lightning did three P. And it shows you how hard it is. To to repeat, especially I mean, how hard it is to repeat in the hockey, just in general. I mean, it's just oh, yeah. so, in, so hard,
0: especially in the hard cap era. Like yep, it's just exactly. incredibly difficult to keep replacing the pieces and keep the pieces around. It just it's it's it really is an amazing feat.
1: Mm-hmm. And to get back for for a third straight year is just something. I don't know if we're going to see a run like that for for quite some time, and not to say that they're done. Oh, uh, I'm yeah, not sure no, they're that not. they're done at all but uh, I'm glad to see someone new win and the Avs win because they definitely deserved it uh, they got a great fan base there too so uh, it, was, it was a fun series, an exciting series just an, a very entertaining brand of hockey for sure
0: Absolutely, there. and I do gotta apply Corey Perry for losing three straight years True. in a row in the final, <laughs> that's gotta be rough three different uh, teams, three years in a row you get to the final and you just can't close the deal like that's yep. rough for it all. but yeah i don't really have too much to add uh yeah i really don't uh so i guess we'll just kind of leave it off there and uh until next time don't forget to play ball